0: Mac Folklore Radio, read by Derek. I would like to brag I've never fallen into the upgrade trap, but I have. It was around the time the Mac's comeback began to peak. The polish of macOS 10.6 Snow Leopard lulled me into a false sense of security. I jumped into 10.7 without looking, and I was mortified. And so every June, when Apple promises a major revision of the operating system without mentioning bug fixes, user interface polish, or quality of life enhancements, I think, Is that all there is? The Iconoclast by Stephen Levy Macworld, May 1992 After the System 7 switch, some users are wondering what got into them. Randall Rothenberg works alone in his home office, writing books on a Macintosh SE. He may not be a power user, but his computer is the center of his professional life. He spends six to eight hours a day on it, using not only a word processor, but also programs that manage his money, organize his notes, and connect him to online databases. He takes computing seriously. So when he began reading the advertisements and articles in computer magazines about Apple Computer's System 7, and received a note from Apple itself trumpeting the benefits of the new operating system, he figured that an upgrade was not only a good idea, it was a necessity. It seemed only logical, he says. I got the feeling from what I was reading that if I didn't, I would be, technologically, behind the eight ball. Coincidentally, Rothenberg was in the process of ordering a new external hard drive. Like many users, he had discovered that a 20 megabyte internal hard drive won't even get you a ride on the bus these days. He also told the mail order firm to include Apple's $99 US dollar System 7 upgrade kit. When the order arrived last December, he found that the new hard drive was already formatted with System 7. He decided that now he had to upgrade. It would not only be silly, but dangerous to have two different systems on my disk drives, he said. It was easy to follow Apple's crisp instructions for installation. From then on, easy dropped from Rothenberg's vocabulary when discussing System 7. Rothenberg's normal work procedure was to launch Microsoft Word and HyperCard, in which he kept his notes, alternating between the two programs. The 2 megabytes of memory on his SE had been sufficient, if just barely. After his upgrade, they were in no way adequate. He may as well have tried to shoehorn a Toyota into the machine. He raced to the documentation and found that there was nothing wrong with his computer. System 7 simply needed more memory. It was right there in the manual that 2 megs is a minimum, he admits. But why didn't they tell you that if you don't have 4 megs, you're out of business? Rothenberg went to the computer dealer and bought two more megabytes of memory for $120. It cost $70 to install. When he got home, he launched everything. Well, almost everything. Rothenberg discovered that OnLocation, which he used religiously to unearth hidden files and search for data, didn't work right on System 7. He had suspected this after running System 7's compatibility checker and seeing that OnLocation was on the enemies list he sent away for the new version, which cost him $25. Then when he tried to use WordFinder, the thesaurus feature that came with Microsoft Word, he discovered that it would not come up on the screen. Compatibility checker hadn't mentioned this. He went to the phone. The Microsoft people suggested a workaround that Rothenberg found unsatisfactory. The other possibility was dealing directly with Microlytics, the company that makes the thesaurus. He called Microlytics, which told him that for a nominal fee, he could get an upgrade that worked on System 7. He sent for it. Three months later, he was still waiting. Microlytics announced it began shipping the upgrade February 3rd. Still, he had Word and HyperCard. He began to work. He noticed that the computer ran much slower than before. Sometimes he would type something and, as in a poorly dubbed foreign film, the words would hesitate before appearing on screen. He guessed he could live with that. He completed a project and invoked the command to print it out on his Hewlett-Packard inkjet printer. It would not print out. This was something else compatibility checker had failed to note. Rothenberg called HP, and after being tossed around like a volleyball for a while, finally got someone to talk to him. We've heard this problem exists, said the person, but we don't know what to do with it. HP suggested perhaps he should call Insight, the company that wrote the printer driver. Yes, the Insight support person cheerfully admitted, there is a problem. It would be solved by ordering an upgrade for $45, plus $15 for the overnight shipping Rothenberg needed. I paid $60, close to the cost of the original software, just to make the printer driver work on System 7, says Rothenberg. Three months after upgrading to System 7, Rothenberg is almost where he was before, except his Mac runs slower, he's still waiting for WordFinder, he's out a few hundred dollars, and he's lost time making long-distance phone calls. Oh, and a few times his machine has crashed, and he suspects it's the new system, but that's not so bad. It gets me to back up more often, he says. Overall, he is not a fan of System 7. But wait a minute, I say to him after hearing his tale of woe. What about the benefits of System 7? How about the improved find command? The alias capability? Publish and subscribe? The improved menu protocols? The easier way to use desk accessories? Balloon help? There are no benefits, replies Rothenberg. I use On Location to find files. It's marginally easier to install desk accessories. But so what? I don't work on a network, so that stuff is useless to me. The only interesting thing is balloon help. When I'm bored, I use it like a game, running the cursor around the screen to see when a balloon pops up. Rothenberg is angry. I know Apple can say that I should have read the fine print, but they should have made it clear that for people who use the computer in a certain way, System 7 is a bad choice. A savvy switch? Is Rothenberg's situation typical? I suspect more so than Apple would like to admit. Months after the much-bollyhood release of System 7, many users are just recovering from the shock of paying lots of money to basically restore their computer to its pre-System 7 state. For many, the benefits at this point seem dubious, especially for the -the run-of-the-mill user. Some software developers, who have spent a lot of time making their products System 7 savvy, aren't convinced that their users are getting good value. I'm not crazy about the speed, I'm not crazy about the memory, says Mark Simonson, president of Beagle Brothers, whose customers are people like Rothenberg. For a few users, the balloon help will be useful. Other than that, I'm not sure that System 7 is the thing for them to do. Peter Suspoitis, president of game company Changeling Software, says that his game is, quote, better under System 6, to be honest with you. Conal Ryan, president of On Technology, publisher of On Location, thinks that introducing System 7 was "quote the right thing to do," but wonders whether it's the right thing for users to upgrade. I can't get Microsoft Word and Apple Link to work together on a four-meg PowerBook. Apple computer executives don't seem to see the problem. I recently spoke to some Apple executives evangelizing System 7, and all were in agreement on the launch of this major project. Ours has been a near-complete success. About 25% of our users have upgrades, a million and a half, and there's been no problems to speak of, says Steven Goldberg, the System 7 product manager. After we chatted a bit about how wonderful System 7 was, I told Goldberg about Randall Rothenberg. Did Rothenberg upgrade too soon? Should he have upgraded? To my surprise, Goldberg did not claim that the real value of System 7 is yet to come, but that, quote, 60-70% of the benefits are out of the box. These are the same things he called no benefit at all, things he got in exchange for making some of his software obsolete. Goldberg's mother apparently appreciated these things more. Maybe she got her upgrades free. The system's easier to use for my mom, he says. Not having to worry about the Font DA mover? and my secretary has aliases of everything. Does this mean that Apple is insisting that everyone upgrade? I'll be frank, says Goldberg. If someone has a Mac Plus or an SE, and all they do is Mac Write, I'm not sure if there's a lot in 7.0 for that type of person. But we think that most Mac users aren't like that. The average Mac user has six or seven applications, unquote. Like Rothenberg. Charlie Oppenheimer, director of Macintosh System Software Marketing, agrees. There are benefits to almost every user to upgrade to System 7, but everyone should evaluate their own needs before they do it. What with Apple's eagerness to get people to upgrade, and, I'll admit, the computer press shares the rap here, this caveat was hard to find, as was the warning that the switch might cost money, time, and aggravation in getting the new system up to, um, speed. Interestingly, when Apple ran focus groups of upgraded users to find out why they did the deed, many seemed to have acted out of a fear of becoming obsolete. They felt they had to upgrade just to stay in place. People want to stay current with their investment, says Goldberg. They want to be with the mainstream. They say, maybe I don't know what it'll do, but I want to stay current. Just like Rothenberg. My Way or the Highway Do not count me as a critic of System 7 itself. It is fairly stable. I'm delighted that it seldom crashed my computer. I expected the worst. And it is geared to deliver the next level of power to Macintosh users. There is a time to build highways, and this was one of them. Apple had many ideas to advance the state of computing, and System 7 was the way to do it. Those whose computing styles and needs can accommodate things like QuickTime, publish and subscribe, virtual memory, and AppleTalk Remote Access will find System 7 a boon. When developers begin using the capability to link programs through Apple events, there will be more benefits. Besides, the operating system really did need a major overhaul. As Charlie Oppenheimer points out, starting from scratch enabled Apple to write System 7 in a modular fashion that allows new features to be easily plugged in without requiring tedious rewrites. QuickTime is the first major extension to be added in this fashion. Bruce Leek, speaking at the Computer History Museum. I had come to a point with 32-bit color QuickDraw where that was fairly mature. And since we'd created a way to ship software to developers with 32-bit QuickDraw, we could just keep using that channel. Distribution channels were not very common back then. You either got shipped as part of a new hardware release or you got shipped as part of a huge system software release. Those cycles kept getting longer and longer. This will allow Apple to implement new ideas in a timely fashion. System 7 will be even better if, as Charlie Oppenheimer promised me, Apple finds ways to make it consume less space on disk and in memory and make it run faster. The System 7 tune-up extension is a first step This new software from Apple supposedly eases some of the memory crunch and speed loss that System 7 users experience, especially those who own machines with lower memory and weaker processors. In future Macintoshes, some of System 7 may be installed on ROM chips, which would certainly decrease memory consumption and increase speed. Still, building highways is not painless. People who live in the path of these roads tend to get bulldozed. Randall Rothenberg was one of those people. Did Apple set the course of its highway to bulldoze the fewest people? Did it give them proper notice they were in the dozer's path? I don't think so. Only a third of Mac users are connected to networks, giving them the biggest gain from System 7, and of those, few genuinely need all of 7's capabilities. It is reasonable to assume that a clear majority of Macintosh users are more like Randall Rothenberg. They don't know or care what 32-bit clean means, they have no use for QuickTime, and they will never log in via AppleTalk Remote. These were among the users urged by Apple and others to upgrade. Little mention was made of the hidden costs. Not all users have had Rothenberg's troubles, but I suspect that more than a few are now staring at System 7's slightly slicker screen presentation and asking, Is that all there is? Before I got off the phone with Rothenberg, I told him about System 7 Tune-Up. Maybe, I suggested, Tune-Up would make things better for him. Another upgrade, said Rothenberg. No thanks, I'm not going to risk it. Stanford University had a year's head start with System 7. As an alpha and beta test site, computer specialists at Stanford have spent a lot of time working with System 7's new features, and the reviews are generally good. Probably the biggest feature we've been using here at Stanford is the file sharing. That's also the single biggest reason why we're seeing people move to System 7 is so that they can do file sharing, either in their office or across the campus network. It it adds a lot of functionality without being really intrusive about the way it changes the environment. It's kind of a, a nice gradual change. I do a lot of writing and teaching and training materials. So I need to have a lot of things at my disposal. And it really speeds up my work and it really improves my productivity. The Mac users at Stanford are obviously enthusiastic about System 7, but nothing is perfect. One complaint is that System 7 is not compatible with older versions of Mac software. Almost everyone I've seen install System 7 had to do some type of cleanup work. They had to get rid of really old applications or their favorite games that they had been playing for five years that just didn't work under the new operating system. And Stanford programmer Peter Tuttle says System 7 is not too good when it comes to copying disks. It's read the source, it's asked you for the target, it's almost to the end of of copying. It makes you put the source back in and then the target back in, one last time. And I can't believe, I have a lot of memory here, I can't believe that it, well I just don't know why it does that, but it seems unnecessary. With over 5,000 Macs on campus, Stanford has a lot of work to do to make the transition to System 7, but the computer experts here seem to think it's worth it. For the Computer Chronicles, I'm Maria Gabriel. Some personal perspective on low-end Macs running System 7. I was about 8 years old when we received our System 7 upgrade kit. At that point, the family's 4MB SE had sort of become mine so I was free to wipe it clean and try out System 7 without bothering anyone. And at 8 MHz, it definitely felt more sluggish. I would say it was about 5-15% to slower all round. TrueType was a revelation, more so than Adobe Type Manager for me, because we didn't really have or care about Type 1 fonts, and I greatly preferred System 7's application switching interface to Multifinder. You may recall that in Multifinder, clicking on the icon displayed at the top right switched between applications in a fixed order which never lined up with what you wanted. System 7 turned that icon into a menu from which you could select whichever application you wanted. Apple's human interface principles got to flex their muscles too. It was now more obvious when you were renaming an object in the finder. The system was more forgiving of mistakes since the trash can didn't empty itself every time you launched a program or rebooted. But most exciting of all, if you're 8 years old, you could customize file and folder icons just by copying and pasting a graphic into their Finder GetInfo windows. These are small things, but in aggregate, they made it easy to make your Mac feel like home. It was the little things that made you feel the polish that had gone into the design. Let's say you were made of money in 1991, and you purchased a new 400 megabyte hard disk. Under System 6, the corner of each finder window would cheerfully report 365,721 kilobytes available. System 7 condensed that to 375.1 megabytes available. It was a small thing, but we Macintosh users were a sensitive bunch, and I will always remember the impression of care and attention to detail that left on me, one that I have not had since Snow Leopard. Information spread much more slowly in those days, so I never actually saw a System 7 tune-up until the late 1990s. We ran 7.0 on our 2SI for years, totally unaware of the disappearing files bug. Of course, by the time we had a 2SI in 1992, many things began to require System 7, and the debate was over. But I must admit, I did boot that SE back into System 6 occasionally, just to remind myself how fast an 8MHz machine could feel. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. You can find more stories or join the very quiet Discord server for this podcast at www.macfolkloradio.com.